over there, Bullet? Over there in the audience, looking all cute. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to episode... I'm hitting buttons. Uh, What episode is this? 137. We're rocking and we're still going and I feel like... uh, Should we clap? That's a drum roll. I never do these right. Oh, boo, boo. I'm in a good mood, boo. There we go. Good mood. All right. Enough of that shit. Uh, Welcome to episode 137. Thank you again for joining me in this nuthouse of a podcast I have. Or just, it's all in my mind of, uh, or, or uh, I can't even speak today. Everything that comes out of my head, obviously, is in my mind. But now you get to see uh, how deep and dark my brain can be over these last couple years. Uh, I'm sorry for that. <laughs> but what are you going to do? Uh, you got to put your, because uh, I think I'm running out of shame. So you got to put yourself out there and hope. Hope to God people take to it. Otherwise, what are you going to do? It is what it is. You know, it's life. But uh, thank you again for joining us, and uh, we'll jump into our great guests. So here we go. Okay, guys, back again. Um, forgive me for my uh, low... Uh, you know, my personality is going to be a little down today just because I'm a little sleepy, but we're going to push through it. And uh, But no, our next guest, I, I she reached out to me and, and, you know, got to hear a little bit of her story here. And, and I'm very grateful that she wanted to come on because it is a pretty crazy story. And, um, you know, something new we got. Well, uh, we've talked about some similar parts of her story um, on other episodes, but uh, it's still a different person, different story. And I just want to get into it. So. Uh, do you want to tell us your name and, you know, a little about yourself? Um, I'm My name is Amanda, um, Amanda Zine. I am a pediatrician, and uh, I was um, practicing as a, a board-certified pediatrician in the military, um, active duty, and about Going on almost four years ago, I had a head injury. Before, um, before you so get into that, like what, what made you want to get into that type of field? Oh, I've always wanted to be a doctor. But why in the I, military? In the military? So I never wanted to be in the military. <laughs> okay. I, I um, accidentally ended up in the military. My mother talked me into a scholarship at one of my college open houses, and I never thought I would get the scholarship, and then I got it. So I had a year in ROTC in college to decide whether or not I wanted to be in the military, and I had a ball. Um, everything I remember about college and the people I still talk to are the people that I was in ROTC with. So I stuck with it. Uh, they paid for my med school and I've now um, recently retired and spent 15 years active duty. And I'm now medically retired because of my head injury. Right, right. 
Um, okay, so I'm sorry. I just wanted to kind of fill people in just a little bit why you wanted to get into it, just because, you know, there's there's some people that are like that's that's like in their family. Like every you know, there's always someone that goes over, or uh, people dream to do that, and then there's just people like you that just kind of fall into it. I did. I just fell into it, and I've always wanted to be a doctor, so I was doing pre med um, in school as well. And so when it came time to graduate, I got a delay for education and went to med school. And then when I graduated from med school, I did my residency with the Army in Hawaii. And I ended up back here at Fort Campbell um, in what they call an operational position, which is basically I took care of soldiers and not kids. I did not want to do that. I came kicking and screaming, um, not wanting to do operational and was told I really had no choice. And looking back on it, it is the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I served three years in an aviation unit, taking care of the soldiers in that unit and being a flight medicine doc, uh, taking care of the pilots. I flew medevac um, on my deployment to Afghanistan in 2011, and then again uh, went in 2009 with another aviation unit to Iraq, um, and it it's probably one of the best things that's ever happened because it really helped me to see um, the rest of the Army and not just the medical side. Um, a lot of docs, if you get stuck in the hospital and don't get out and do operational medicine where you're out with the soldiers. You, you never really get to see that side and truly understand the real army. Um, it's different. It's different than life in the hospital. So right. it was, it was a really, really good experience. Was there uh was there something like as a kid that like, you always gravitated towards when it comes to being a doctor because you know like as a kid we always kind of I think we go through many phases like oh you want to be a football player you want to be a cheerleader you want to be something and you, you, there's always something but for you, you you seem like this was something that you were destined to do but what was there something when you were young that just kind of you know, whether it was a movie or something that just stuck with you um, well, I mean, my mom always worked at the hospital. She wasn't a doc. Um, she was in the administrative side of things. Um, so I grew up around the hospital. Um, I don't know. I've always wanted to be a doctor or a veterinarian. Gotcha. Um, but I couldn't handle putting animals to sleep. Right. Yeah. So um, I became a doctor. And, and I absolutely love kids. So pediatrician was a no-brainer. Um, I thought I wanted to be a surgeon at first, but after job shadowing a surgeon, um, who, believe it or not, was the trauma surgeon who saved my life when I got in a car accident in high school. Um, and uh, then I job shadowed the next summer as well. Um, I didn't want to be a surgeon anymore. I wanted to be a pediatrician. I just, I've always always wanted to be a doc and love the kids and I miss it. I really, really do miss it because I, I haven't really practiced pediatrics in three years. 
Uh, that's good. I mean, it, it seems like you always wanted to do something where you can help, whether it was children or animals. And yep. you know, I think that's something, you know, I think, like I said, some of us always start off with goals of whatever, something really big to obtain, like being a doctor, but it gets lost somewhere in the shuffle because whatever, life happens, you know, a lot of things can change, you know, freak accidents and all kinds of things. And just, just in general, your mind can change on what you want to do. But you've always kind of stuck with that mindset of wanting to, to help regardless of how life impacted you. You stayed on that journey, which is, like I said, very, uh, yep. very rare. Yep. Yeah. That's always been my dream. So when, when I had my injury, um, back in 2018, it was December 26, 2018. Um, my husband and I are, it's our second marriage for both of us mm-hmm. and our, our kids live with our exes due to us being in the military. Um, he's also in the military, a pediatrician and a flight surgeon in the military. Um, and, um, so because we had the kids in town, I, um, didn't want to miss out on family time. So of course me being stubborn and a doctor, because we are the worst patients, I did not go to the emergency room or to a doc um, because I didn't want to waste family time. Um, And um, it took me about a week to finally go in. I tried to return to work, nearly passed out. Um, I'm sorry, but what exactly happened? Did you fall or was it a car accident? I was ice skating. Oh, ice skating, okay. Yeah, so um, I'd never worn hockey skates before and didn't know that they are not the same. <laughs> right. As um, and I actually can skate with figure skates. And so I took off and first lap around, I fell three times, um, twice hitting my head very hard, so hard that my glasses flew off, but I didn't the, the second time. I don't remember hitting my head the first time. Um, my husband saw it happen though and said I did. Um, the back I fell back and hit my head. Got up, took a step, fell back, hit my head, and then my glasses flew off. Someone put them in my hand, and I just kind of looked at them like I was. I was. I. I remember looking at them, going, "I didn't even realize I wasn't wearing these." Now I can't see the big E without my glasses. So that's how out of it I was. I didn't realize I wasn't wearing my glasses. I can't see without my glasses. Okay. So, um, so yeah, um, it was it was a pretty pretty hard uh, hit. And um, after about a week of trying to work, um, my boss basically told me, "I don't want to see you back here until you are cleared by a neurologist." Um, and so it began. Um, I was at that point not allowed to drive because of my balance issues Um, and it seemed like as the week went on things kind of got worse Um, I had been taking Excedrin migraine daily um, because obviously I had the post-concussive headaches I clearly had a concussion um but I was in denial. Um, my husband deployed five days after my injury. And so he continued to nag me for my rack. Um, 
to go see the doctor, and I finally did. Um, and then they sent me to the neurologist who said, oh, you'll be better in a month. And then a month came, and I wasn't better. And at the time, I had been the chief of pediatrics and was trying to still run pediatrics from home. So they had an interim chief step in. Oh, you'll be better in three months. And at the three-month mark, uh, my boss put me into the warrior transition unit, um, which is basically a unit where you go and your only job is to get better. Um, Because at that three-month mark, 90-some-odd people are usually better. And so we knew it was going to be a longer road. And here I am three and a half years later, and um, medically retired from the Army, uh, disabled veteran, um, unable to work because I can't do my job. I can see about four patients, and then I'm dizzy and have to come home and sleep because otherwise I'll have a migraine. Did they ever diagnose you with, like, a traumatic brain injury? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was diagnosed with a traumatic brain injury um, right away and sent to the uh, TBI clinic here on post. Luckily, because I'm in the military, we know TBI pretty well. Um, and we have a, a multidisciplinary clinic. Um, and so I had physical therapy, occupational therapy, a special occupational therapist that dealt with my visual issues, um, a neuro-ophthalmologist, a neurologist, um, we did art therapy and yoga and other alternative, um, type things. Um, for the pain, I've had acupuncture and chiropractic, um, which both helped immensely. Um, and I'm probably about as healed as I'm going to be, my brain can continue to slowly, you know, make new pathways. Um, however, for the most part, I've healed about as much as I will likely heal. A lot of it now is just learning coping mechanisms. Right. Um, although with my balance, my neurologist did say that my next visit uh, we may talk about me going in and doing vestibular therapy where they work on the balance in the vestibular system. So the ears and um, and the bones in that system and in the ears. Yeah. So, it's, it's, um, it's a weird thing to like adapt to a new norm because then your new norm, if, if it starts to get worse than your new norm, then you even get more frustrated. Like for me with my eyes, when I have bad eye days, my good eye days are nowhere near as good as the average person. But when I have bad eye days in comparison to my good eye days, it's very, very frustrating. Um, and, and so getting used to just once you finally get to settle in and just get used to what you're used to, which is, you know, not great for the average person. But when it gets worse than that is when, like for me anyway, it gets very frustrating. I get I get very discouraged and it kind of it. it, it kind of takes me down a peg uh mentally because i'm i'm kind of i've gotten to a place where i'm content with the lack of vision i have as long as i'm able to do the things that i like doing 
and I'm happy with like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the place where, you know, like what you're doing is I've been seeing doctors for 29 years for my eyes. And I think I've finally found one in Kentucky who's considered the best eye doctor in the country, but it, it is frustrating when you have to run through doctors and every doctor tells you something different. And, um, like for you, it, it's good to see that you have a lot, like you at least have something on the table as far as like a procedure, because I didn't have anything until recently, which I think next March is when I'm going to try something for my eyes. Hopefully it works, but, um, right. it's really nice to know, even, even if it doesn't work, cause you've had a lot you've tried a lot and a lot has failed. Some you've had some success, but it's nice to have something that little light at the end of the tunnel to, to make you feel like, okay, maybe something can change. But the, the, the best thing is to do is just to try to find some peace of mind and, and try to be as, as content as you can with your current situation. Right. Well, and, and it took me a long time. I mean, because I went from, Type A personality, go, go, go. My plan for my husband's deployment was to work. And I likely would have completely burnt myself out. Um, but I never stopped. I, I, I mean, I was the chief of the department. Um, I tried to go back to work because I couldn't have somebody else work my shift because that was going to put them out. And... So, um, it was very difficult for me to, even though I was hurting to accept, which is why I started getting depressed. And, um, and I, I was sitting alone in an empty house. You know, my kids were back with our respective exes because that's where they lived. Um, and my husband was deployed and thank God for his family because his, his sister and his niece and his mom and dad, they, and his sister's, um, significant other, they were, they were amazing. Um, his niece and nephew would take me to appointments. Um, his sister or her significant other would, um, they would come over and pick me up and I would just lay on the couch. His sister's a nurse and, and she works from home. Um, she does coding and whatnot on the computer. And I would just lay on her futon while she worked and just sleep most of the time because that's about all I did initially. Um, but it just felt better to not be sitting alone. Yeah. Um, but I had every app known to man on my phone for delivery service, which is probably <laughs> what laid me even further down the spiral because I gained over 30 pounds. I wasn't active like I had been before and I was eating horribly because all I wanted was comfort food. Mm-hmm. And so I spiraled down and down and down. Yeah, it could, I mean, having a disability, but especially something that like constantly fluctuates really strips confidence. Like there's a time, like there's times where I've had moments where I'm just feeling good and just, you know, okay, cool. I can see enough and I'm getting around and I smile. And then maybe the next day it's just a constant like blurriness and, and, and just, you know, straining to try to see certain things. And it, it, it you know, you want to continue to be the same happy go lucky person you always have been. Uh, or maybe how you were the day before, but 
you, you just don't feel it because like, right. it, it, like I said, it takes you down a peg. It really strips you of the confidence that you previously had. Right. Well, especially when I, I couldn't do all of the things that I used to do my entire identity um, was my profession. I mean, I, what am I going to do now? What, where, where I, I had a complete loss of identity and it took me a good two years to realize that, that this, this head injury does not define who I am. I'm not who I was before I hit my head, but I get to define who I am. And that's probably my biggest message to anyone who's had any type of trauma, whether it be an injury or PTSD or any type of trauma, um, that you can't let your injury define who you are. And for the longest time, I let that happen. And I would have what my husband calls my pity parties. And I still occasionally have them. And and he has to pull me out. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're not going to have a pity party today. Um, pull yourself out and and put your big girl panties on. Let's go. Come on. Um, you're better than this. And And he knows when I need the pity party and when he needs to push me to, to pull myself out of it. Um, but I could still be sitting in that dark room eating delivery. Um, but I finally got to the point where I looked at myself and said, what the heck am I doing? Why, why am I letting myself be ruled by, this disability, which I mean, I'm 100% disabled as far as the army is concerned, um, because I can't do anything the army wants me to do. And I can't, I can't do my job. I cannot apply for a job as a civilian even because I can't see the number of patients that they want me to see in a day. Mm. Um, I, and I could get placards and handicap placard and I could get disabled plates and I'm like I can I can get social security and I'm like whoa 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 and they're telling me all of this and I'm like but I'm not disabled (laughs) and they're like well but you are and and I said okay well maybe someday in life I'll need all of this and that's great but I don't know I'm not I'm not thrown in the towel. Um, I, I have to do something. And so um, it was April 2021 that I finally said, oh, no, enough is enough. It's time for me to do something. And I decided, okay, I've got to get myself healthy. I've got to stop eating all this junk. I feel like crap. I feel sluggish. Is that my head injury? Is that what I'm eating? Is is that because I'm not getting outside enough? Is that like who knows? There are, there are so many factors, and that's when I decided um, to start looking for a plan, you know. And so I went to the bookstore. Um, by then, I was driving, obviously, um, but I couldn't find anything that just kind of went over 
simple, like, I, I just, I wanted a plan just laid out in front of me, but I didn't want like a keto diet or, you know, like an exercise plan or I, I just started writing up my own plan and four days later or four pages later, um, I was like, dang, I should write a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I Googled, how do I write a book? And cause you know, you can Google anything. And I found um, SPS, which is um, self-publishing school. And so uh, I got in touch with them. I ended up joining. And uh, they helped me publish my first book uh, in November of 2021. Um, So now my plan, and I used it as accountability for myself as well, my plan I could share with other people who are stuck in a rut kind of thing. Um, And it doesn't just say, these are the foods you need to eat. It does some of that, but it talks about what I call my my seven pillars of optimal wellness. Um, And it just kind of is, it's like a a map almost to um, these habits that you can change and in essence then change your lifestyle as opposed to being on a diet or doing an exercise plan. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, and that's, yeah, that when we all have habits that we all have to kick one way or another, <laughs> and it's, it's very hard to kick them depending on, I mean, there's some that are worse than others, but yeah, when you're feeling down and feeling sorry for yourself, there's so much that can come into play where you're just abusing yourself and, you just kind of used to it. Like it. Again, it becomes your norm. So you're just sitting there and in your case, eating and eating is like, especially with all those apps, I use them sometimes. And yeah, it's very convenient. It's nice, especially if you can't drive. And like in my case, and it's, you just, yeah, you just hurt yourself. And then you don't realize how much damage you're doing to yourself, especially by not working out and only eating and, and you know, whatever. If you put drugs and alcohol and whatever else in your body, it, it, you just pollute yourself to the point where your body is just done and, and it's, right. it's not the same. And then you start to, you have to kind of come back around at some point, hopefully like you did and, and kind of look at yourself and, and realize like where you were and where you are now. And, you know, you have a real legitimate excuse of why you were that sad and why you were having those moments. But yeah, you have to, at some point, stop using that as a crutch and using that as an excuse to just do that because it's not healthy. You know, you have right. legitimate reasons to do what you're doing, but at some point you have to just say, all right, screw it. We're done. Let's move on and let's try something better because the, right. you know, the alternative is stay the way it is, which is comfortable, but it's not healthy. Well, and after a while, it's not even comfortable. I mean, you, you just, you, you want that, comfort food or you want that beer or you want that cigarette or you want that whatever habit it happens to be because bad habits are so much easier to pick up than good habits. Um, and then like for me, I would eat the food and then I would feel horrible because most of the time I would get too much and I, or I'd overeat or whatnot, you know? 
Um, and then I wasn't active and I wasn't getting outside. And so I ended up, um, writing this book and it started with, of all things, number one was just being mindful because that really is the first step to be mindful of what you're doing. We mindlessly do so many things. Um, and being mindful is not just, you know, paying attention to what you're doing, but also taking time out of the day to just center yourself and, you know, getting up a half an hour earlier so that you're not rushing around. Um, which I am so guilty of. I'm always running late for everything I ever do. Um, but, but then that just sets your day up for chaos. Um, so, so yeah, I, I started actually doing the things in the book and trying to set up healthy habits and, I started actually feeling better and then I used the book to hold me accountable and I have fallen off the wagon so many times and had to go back and start again. Um, had to do it recently. Uh, but then it's like, all right, you stop and which habit am I not doing? Which, which, which thing did I fall off? Okay. Christmas is bad. It makes you like eat so many things that you know you shouldn't be eating. Yeah. Um, you know, and, <laughs> and when you get busy and stop being mindful, then it's like, wait, stop. Oh, I have to. And I have a hard time with mindfulness because my concentration, um, I basically have ADHD, but it's not ADHD and it can't be treated. Hmm. Um, I'm all over the place because I have concentration and focus issues, but it's because of my TBI. So ADHD meds don't work on any of it. Right. Um, it drives my husband crazy. Um, and if I have a headache or I'm like post migraine, um, it's even worse. Uh, now quick question. Like, for, for, like, with this, with everything that's going on with you currently, like, is this a culmination of what happened to you on the ice and your car accident, or is it just specifically from the ice? The, the, the skating. It's probably all of the above. Um, so, so I, there is so much we don't know about the brain. Yeah. And even as a physician, I've learned so many things since this head injury, um, because. I've had to, um, I've done more research and read more about things. Um, anytime you hit your head, it likely sets you up for if you hit your head again, for it to be worse, uh, which is why they have, um, the football players that have such, um, bad dementia later in life. Yeah, um, as they call it. Yes. And the, um, you know, boxers. And I believe, um, I read the other day or I was having, I was talking to someone the other day that 
NASCAR drivers, like, um, also can, can have issues with it. Yeah. Um, so likely that head injury, um, it never seemed like a big deal back in high school because I had so many other injuries. I was life-flighted to the hospital and they didn't expect me to live. Um, it was a bad, bad car accident. I was the only one in the vehicle. Um, and my vehicle went over a guardrail and landed upside down in a ravine in a cornfield. Um, and so, uh, um, I lost a lot of blood. I almost had to have a blood transfusion. Um, but my mom begged them to hold off and they did. And I ended up not having to have one for some reason. She didn't want me to have a blood transfusion. Um, but then again, this was 27 years ago. Yeah. But it could have been been one of those where it, it, it did enough damage, but maybe it just, I don't know, weakened or softened your brain to the point where it left it, it, you know, it rewires. Yeah. It rewires it. Um, it left you weaker for when you do, if you were to hit your head again, it, it softened you for it. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you hit your head, um, it, it, it increases your risk. Um, so having, and then having the boom, boom, two back to back, really hard hit. And we know that my issues now that I have are for a fact because of my head injury, this most recent one, um, the concentration, because in order for me to be on flight status, flight status is something that you have to be basically have a million boxes checked off. Um, Physically and mentally, you have to be sound to be in an aircraft, whether you're the one operating the aircraft, the door gunner, or, you know, the medic, or like I was a doc working in the back with the medics. Um, you, You have to be able to handle differences in the air pressures and when you're up at altitude it changes everything um so there are a lot of disqualifying factors and a head injury is one of them and because i had that head injury in high school i had to have a bunch of different um evaluations and so i had um neuropsych testing and it was normal um Actually, twice I had to have it for for my waivers, Um, once in 2010 and once again in 2000, I believe, 15 or 16. And it was it was normal. And so now I've had it again after my um, my TBI in 2018 and it's abnormal. Um, So. The concentration and and ADHD type issues are definitely due to this most recent head injury, um, but it is what it is. Um, there's nothing I can do to change it at this point, uh, so I just do the best I can to deal with it. Yeah, for sure. But how, how does it how does it affect you on a daily basis? Because I know because <laughs> I've, I've I have a few friends who have traumatic brain injuries and. I mean, one one uh, friend of mine, uh, Angela, she fell on her head after she was climbing a, a basketball hoop, and she fell on her head. It was raining, and she's paralyzed on her whole right side of her body. Um, oh my! 
Yeah, and it's but her whole left side is fine. It's just it's just again when we're talking about the brain, it's it's a very messed up place, and you it's you, crazy. It's very fragile, and um, but yeah. So how, how does it affect you daily? Anyway, so the, my main issue um, is my migraines and fatigue. Um, I get very easily fatigued, and I also. Um, have a lot of headaches and migraines, which my neurologist is working with me. I'm, I'm on an injectable medication I take once a month. Um, you know, I have multiple meds I have to take daily. Um, so I may wake up with a migraine and not get out of bed. Um, or I may just wake up with a headache and, you know, take some Tylenol and get on with my day. Uh, I occasionally have balance issues where... Um, Anytime the ground even remotely feels unsteady under my feet, um, I, I, I'm, I'm wobbly on my feet. Um, my concentration, I am all over the place. Uh, my husband, <laughs> especially if I have a headache, um, will come home and I will have like five different tasks where, you know, I've got cabinets open, I've got dishes in the sink, I've left the garage door open because I went out to feed the chickens, but then I never fed the chickens because I had this happen. And then I went to do this. And I mean, I leave, I leave lights on and cabinet doors open. And luckily I've never left the stove on, but, um, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm all over the place. Uh, and in the morning, first thing I'm really bad and I don't know why, um, it's almost like drinking coffee helps me, which is interesting because, you know, ADHD meds are a stimulant. And so drinking coffee, um, maybe, maybe it helps me. Maybe I just have to get awake a little bit more. I don't know. Um, yeah, you're probably, you're probably, but your brain the, is probably not, not yeah. turned on as much and you're still groggy and you're waking up. And, yeah. yeah. It, it, because in the morning, sometimes he'll tell me, I'm going outside. You stay in here. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Go out and go around in the garage because he just can't even handle me because I'm just all over the place. And after my headaches, um, I'm worthless. I literally am. If, if, I've, if I've had a migraine, um, the pain usually isn't horrible. I can usually control the pain, and I have multiple ways to do so. But it's the um, the postictal, which is basically the aftermath. Um, I'm just I'm I'm groggy, and I it's almost like the Claritin Clear commercial, you know, where everything is foggy, and I'm just I'm out of it, and I I'm worthless. Um, I, I can't I won't even drive if if I'm having a migraine day. Um, because I, I can't trust myself to be able to be with it enough to trust myself to be behind the wheel. On headache days, I'm okay. It's just a headache like everybody else has. Um, but it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's great that you, again, like I said, these brain injuries, they, they affect people different ways and it's it's great that you don't have like the the paralyzation of, that some have but in some ways those the, the headaches can 
completely, you know, demobilize you and completely take you down. So it's, uh, and then just the, the, the focus, cause I, I've been dealing with like brain fog and, and, and migraines and I don't, I'm pretty sure I don't have a traumatic brain injury, but I've, I've been dealing with things and I've been getting MRIs and EEGs and all these things and they don't find anything. And it's super frustrating because I know something is off and I can't, I don't know how to deal with it because I don't know what the problem is. Um, and you, you lean towards the, you know, the medical professor professions to figure it out and they don't know. So, um, right. And that's what's so frustrating about these types of illnesses and injuries. If I would have fallen and broken my leg, at least there's something that I'm fixing. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's tangible. There were a few people who thought I was faking it all. And had I had a broken leg with a cast on it, people would have seen my injury, but nobody could see my injury. And when it's not 24 seven, that you look that much different, I can go out and, you know, go like if I go to get medications and stop in my old clinic to say hi to people and I look normal. They, people who know me well might notice that I'm, I'm different, you know, just by the way I talk and, and the fact that I'm kind of all over the place, but an average person might just think, Hey, she has ADHD or Hey, this is how she is. And not, think anything of it but people don't see the day I have a migraine and don't get out of bed for you know 24 to 48 hours people don't see me almost fall over if I turn too quickly or step on something unsteadily you know people don't don't see that if I do too much I'm in bed for 14, 16, 18 hours. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what's frustrating about this type of, of injury or illness. Um, I'm sure that sometimes you find the same thing that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, and, and even with, let's say like with the mental health stuff and some of the chronic pain and stuff that I have that it's, you know, when you say these things, and most people don't think I'm faking because I have been through a lot and all my stuff is pretty well documented. But when people see my bad days, they don't really see my really bad days. They see the days that they, that I allow them to see or that I even will want to come out of the house to show because, you know, whether I had to go to a grocery store or I had to go to the doctors or something, but like my really bad mental days or my bad physical days, I'm not, I'm probably not coming out of the house. I don't want to, maybe I right. can or can't. I just don't, I, a lot of times it's, I just don't want to because I just don't want to deal with it. And I don't want to take out my frustration and my pain out on someone else. You know, a lot of times I spend a lot of time with my grandmother. Um, she, she lives like a mile away and I try to spend a lot of time with her. She's 90 years old and, you know, I try to be close to my friends and stuff, but I, you know, I know I don't always come off the way I want to be because I, I can't always be so happy and go lucky because I have a lot of things that are impacting me and really uh, screwing with me. And so, yeah, I, I, I tend to have 
you know, some of those days where I, it's just my bed is where I'm going to stay. And if I get out of bed, it's to go into the living room. And that's, just, you know, I'm it's just staying at home. That's all I'm doing. And I'm not, you know, I, I hate calling off work, but there's days where it's just like, I don't, I don't want to go into my other job because I, I physically and mentally just can't. And I hate, I hate giving in and I hate saying I can't do something. Um, because you know, I've had this disability for a long time and I've had people tell me my whole life, I can't do something, but, um, sometimes you have to kind of know what your limits are and, and what, what's best for yourself. Because if you don't, you're going to do something, you're going to hurt yourself worse. Um, right. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And you don't know how to take it. And it's the, the people that are closest to us that, that get to truly see it, um, it's funny. Um, actually, I don't have a lot of super close friends here where I live. Um, my best friend lives back in my hometown in Illinois. Um, I have a few close friends here. Um, one of which I haven't been friends with for very long, but she's already figured me out. Uh, she will look at me and say, you've hit your wall. It's time for you to go home. Yeah. Um, and, and, and we haven't even known each other very long, but she's, she's got me figured out. Um, and my husband's the same way. We were on vacation and he looked at his son and said, all right, Miss Amanda's tired. I can tell she's, she's slowing down. It's time to find something where she can just sit somewhere in the air conditioning (laughs) Mm -hmm. because I get overheated very easily as well. Um, and that's another thing that. Um, unfortunately about a year and a half after my head injury, I also went into, um, premature menopause and then I had to have a hysterectomy because of, um, cancer. Hmm. So, um, yeah, <laughs> let's just do it all at once. Um, so I turned 40 and then it was like, happy birthday. <laughs> Yeah. You get bifocals and a hysterectomy, um, but that was curative, so no big deal. Um, and despite the fact that I was able to keep my ovaries, I'm still in menopause. So some of my heat intolerance could be hot flashes, but it could be my head injury. And it could be anxiety. And so it's, it's all intertwined and it's just, it's, it's very difficult to figure out, um, all right, so what's going on and what can I do to make it better? Um, so a lot of times that equates to me laying on the couch under the ceiling fan. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, some of my bad days, sometimes I enjoy just laying around and doing nothing too. I'm not going to lie. It feels good just to be able to watch a show or do something that's just peaceful and not be bothered. And, um, it's not all bad, but yeah, it, it, when you're in those days, it's really hard to explain to people. I really wish, and I've said this to a friend of mine, like, I wish they could come up with some sort of like diagnostic, like they have for cars where you plug it into the car and it shows you exactly what the problem is. Like if they could do that for our body, it would be so great because, you know, it, it's hard to, some, some of our stuff is very hard to prove. Some of it is hard to explain, you know, like for me, and I'm sure you've gotten this, uh, you go to the hospital for something and they say, you know, on a, from one to 10, what's your pain scale? And it's like, 
you have to say something on from an eight to 10 because they won't treat it. But for, for you and I, our pain tolerance is much higher than the average person. So, you know, obviously smashing your head on ice is probably a 10, but you know, for me, I had all my skin burn off. So that's a 10. So when I have a really bad migraine, yeah, it sucks. But in comparison to that, it's like a seven. So, but if I say it's a six or seven, they won't treat it. Um, right. And it's, it, it, like I said, when I do have other health issues, it's really, it's frustrating sometimes to try to find the right doctor and, and the right person that wants to treat me because like I said, pain tolerance is much, it's higher than most, but also, like I said, I'm constantly going through something or another. Uh, I know right. you are yourself and it's, like I said. Well, and I, I 100% agree with you. Um, and being a physician uh, also, it drives me absolutely bonkers when somebody comes in and they're scrolling through their phone and they tell me they have a pain out of 10, uh, 10 out of 10, because <laughs> there are times that I have felt worse than the patient I was treating and I'm at work, you know? Um, and it's just, I had migraines before I I had this head injury. Um, but they were different. And speaking with my first neurologist, I've had five neurologists in the last three and a half years, but speaking with my first neurologist, um, he told me I'd never have those migraines again. And he, he was right. The migraines I used to have were completely different than the migraines I have now. Um, but I almost like them better because they hurt like hell. But I could get an IV with a migraine cocktail and in a half an hour be better and back to treating patients. Um, and there were times I did go to work with a migraine and get through sick calls, take care of the soldiers, and then be treated myself so that I could start seeing patients and I could do that back then. But now this is totally different. Um, and, and you're right. My pain, maybe I have a high pain tolerance because my pain with these migraines usually is like a five or a six. I've had a couple I think twice I've had to go in and, and have it broken once I went to the ER and once I went to the clinic. Um, but I deal with it for a good three, four days before I go in because I've got so many different things I can try between medicine and uh, different, like I have a thing called a cephaly. Um, it's a little, uh, it's almost like a TENS unit. It's electricity. And you put it on your forehead, and it treats the uh, the trigeminal nerve um, with uh, electricity, and it actually works uh, really, really well. I've, like I said, I've only had a few that I haven't been able to treat with it. Yeah. It, it, but but then I do. I go in and and I tell them. You know, okay, yeah, even the worst ones are like an eight. <laughs> because yeah. Well, I don't know about for, I, I don't know about for you, but like a lot of times like I don't even want to go to the emergency room or want to even go to regular doctors or nurses anymore because I feel like my medical history is like beyond them. Because like even like I said with the, the eye doctor I have currently now, he's the best eye doctor in the country. So like there's really nothing 
no one can really touch him at this point. He's making miracles happen. And not that there's not other good eye doctors, but like when I go to just some regular place where you can get get uh, eyeglasses and, you know, they may check your vision and they, they, they're like, I, I've been told that like, basically you're well above my pay grade. You can't do, I can't do nothing for you. And it's the same thing with a lot of the, the pain and things I've gone through outside of my vision. It's like going to the emergency room, they're just going to give you the basic little checkup here. Okay. You know, it's a little cat scan. Your chest is fine. This and this, but overall, like I know that there's something wrong and I know that coming here is probably not, they're not, I have a better chance of figuring out my own problem than they do. And it's not that they're not smart. It's just, I've been dealing with this for almost 30, well, about 30 years now. And like I said, there, there's a certain point. I think if I don't have a specialist on what I, you know, for whatever my problem is, I probably am not going to get the problem solved. Luckily, I, being a doc at the hospital where I am now a patient, and luckily my old boss is now my primary care manager, so he knows my history better than anyone, um, and is also, um, you know, a colleague and friend of both mine and my husband. Um, so this last time I ended up going into the clinic, um, we got in touch with him and, and he was able to get me into the clinic and, and they were able to uh, do the migraine cocktail and, and get me better because yeah, the, the ER, um, I'm sure they could have done it just as easily, but they don't know my history. And so the fact that the clinic um, knows my history, it, it, it works nicely. Um, and what I have going on really isn't crazy. You know, I, I have migraines um, and we know what, or what works uh, to break them. Uh, but with you, yeah, you're a zebra and most docs, we, we learn about some of the zebras, but we're used to treating horses, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, mean, I, I totally, I wish it wasn't the case. I mean, it's not like, it's not like I'm bragging. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm not oh, bragging no, that I know. my eyes are too bad for other people. It's just, I know. you know, it's one of those. You never want to yeah, be that person that, uh, that makes the, you know, the, the morning report or the, um, or the discussion, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I've, been, uh, I've been a lab rat for some doctors where it's just like, Oh, I, I got these new understudies that are going to come in. They're going to take a look at you because they, <laughs> they want to see worst case scenario people. And it's like, this is where, right. I, you know, you, you know, you learn from this and I, I get it. It's sometimes it's discouraging or whatever, but it, you know, but it's like I said, I've, I've had doctors where I just, I want, I needed, you know, for me, like my lashes tend to, my eyelashes tend to curl under and scratch my cornea. So sometimes I need a few of them pulled and sometimes I'll go into it, go in there and my doctor's not there. And they're like, well, we have so-and-so on staff and then I'll let them try and they never do it right. And I have to come back a day or two later to my doctors there because they just don't know what they're doing. And I'm explaining it to them, but they think that I'm talking down to them and trying to tell them how to do their job. But it's like, sir, I, I've been doing this for a long time. I may not know exactly how to do your job, but I, I, I can at least point you in the right direction. Just, just listen. Um, right. And sometimes I think, they, then, yeah, they're like, well, I went to school for this. It's like, well, congratulations, but you haven't had someone like me yet. So uh. <laughs> one of the things, you know, as a pediatrician that, that we learned very early on is that a mama 
knows her child better than anything else. And uh, that a lot of times when the mama comes in and tries to help you, it's good to listen to them um, and, and kind of see where they're coming from. Sometimes they don't necessarily know best and you figure it out fairly quickly. But usually if it's a chronic condition, um, and it's the same with you, um, if it's a chronic condition, you live the condition. So absolutely, I get that, that you would, that you would uh, be able to give pointers. Um, just like with drawing blood and you get that person that has teeny tiny veins and and they say, no, 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 don't go for that one. And the nurse goes for that one. It's like, I told you not to go for that one. Yeah. But why didn't you listen to me? Nobody can ever get that one. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. that's why it's great to find. That's why it's, especially for people in our case, it's always nice to find the people that go above and beyond a little bit and just, we're not treated, yeah. we're not treated like the next person that's on their, you know, on, on their clipboard and says, oh, who's next? Oh, Oh, okay. Amber's next. Amanda's next. Timothy's next. Blah blah blah. And you just keep mentioning names, and they don't. You're not really. You're just a thing to them. You're not. You know. You're not. Right. You, I mean, you know, they they care in the way they care, but the, it's it's you're just kind of a person, and you're not really your own entity. And, and it's it's nice when someone actually. And this could not. It doesn't just have to go with doctors. I've had great therapists and other things as well, but just people who just go above and beyond in their job because you remember them, and you 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 know because the doctors I have. I mean the doctors I've had, they've saved my life and saved my vision and the vision I do have. And I remember that because they, you know, they still talk to me. They still remember my story. They remember my mom. They remember, you know, my backstory. Like it just happened, even though it's 30 years old. Uh, and that's like means a lot because you, you know, you build a rapport and you just, you know, that like you, you can build trust with them and you know that they'll take care of you, which is, uh, you know, it's very rare because though there's great doctors and nurses and, you know, medical profess professions out there, they're great. But, you know, there's, there's only really a couple really for, in our cases, there's only really a few of them that can really take care of us the way we needed or need it. Well, and, and the way medicine has gone lately, it just, it's so sad that it's become more of a business and it's churn them and burn them, you know. The more patients you see in a day, the better. And, and and I was already starting to have a problem with that when I could see 20 patients in a day. Um, I was always behind. I was, I was always behind. My patients usually didn't care, especially if they knew me, because they knew that they would get their time, that they were going to likely be seen late, but they would get their time. And that's why I'm always running late because when you give me 20 minutes, I, I need longer because I'm going to give them the time they need, not 20 minutes. Yeah. And, um, and, and I, I've had docs, um, like I said, I've had five neurology providers and it's of no fault of their own. Um, my first one was military and it was time for him to move to another station. Um, and then my second one was at the TBI clinic. And then I graduated. My third one, I basically fired and went to a new one hmm. because he spent maybe 10 minutes in the room with me. And you know, specialists have more time than that. Yeah. And 
I took all of, all of my paper. It took me an hour to fill out the paperwork. And I sent it to him a week ahead of time. He walked into the room. Didn't even take a report from the nurse because as she walked out, he walked in. So everything I told her, he didn't even hear. He comes in, he goes, so why are you here? I have migraines after a TBI. Okay. What are you doing for it? I told him the meds I was taking. Sounds good. All right. We're going to go ahead and keep you on all those and I'll see you back in six months. And I was like, what? Like, okay, first of all, it's the first time you've ever seen me. My current regimen's not working, and you're just going to see me back in six months? Well, if you haven't gotten better in a year, you're likely not going to get better. So I'll see you back in six months, and if you're still not better, we'll just dismiss, and you'll be done. What? (laughs) Those are the people that discourage the others to just give up. I was like, wait a minute, I'm on like 20 supplements. Like, well, I don't believe in supplements. You should stop all of them. I'm like, all of them? So, like, the vitamin D as well? Yep, stop all of them. <laughs> but I'm deficient, and I, I had low vitamin D. Well, then go ahead and keep taking that one. Take anything that was prescribed by a doctor. They were all prescribed by a doctor, just because they're over-the-counters. Like, this guy was like, I was like, and I'm taking ibuprofen and Tylenol every day because I'm not man- well-managed. And he's like, well, you should stop taking those. Well, this I know. I'm a doctor. But even not doctors know you can't take Tylenol and ibuprofen every day. Yeah. Well, then you should just stop taking them. But I need them or I can't work. Well, then you should take them. Hmm. And I was just like, I, I, I came home so discouraged. You're right. So discouraged because it took me two hours to get there. And two hours to get home. And he was in the room maybe 10 minutes. Didn't even do a full exam. And I told my husband, and he said, no. No. You call right now. You get, a, you get a new, no. Get a different opinion. And then the next doctor I had was, was he was really good. Um, unfortunately, he is no longer with us. Um, so I had to get yet another one. And I've only seen her once, but she is phenomenal I finally found my match you know when you just you find that provider that they listen to you you can have a discussion with them talk about what's working what's not working and then they give you those recommendations I think these supplements you should take I think these you shouldn't take and you trust them because you've had that discussion with them yeah. And they listen to you, truly listen to you. Yeah, you know they really care about your well-being. And I mean, the the doctor that I have here in town, I live in Pennsylvania, and she's the one that sent me to the doctor in Kentucky, who's considered the best eye specialist. But she's pretty good herself. But she went out of her way to say I can't do this the way he can, and you That's know, awesome. yeah, and humbled herself and just said, look, I just I think this is this is your best shot at getting better vision if there's any shot it's a very low shot at which now it seems to be a higher chance since he's seen me but it's you know she she actually was able to just say I, I can do this surgery but not like him and he's the one if you want this done you want it done properly it's him and, and it's you know not many doctors would have done that because again they're not getting paid for this 
you know, they're, they're just giving advice and they're, and, you know, she even made the calls, the back channels to just to get me in sooner and all that. And that's the type of stuff that really sticks with you when, you know, in life, when you remember whether it's a teacher or somebody just looked out for you when you're going through something. And, and with this, with my health, obviously it's very personal and, you know, she's been helping me preserve the vision I do have, but she went out of her way to help me to maybe make a drastic change for some real, some real change, some real good in my life. Just that, that a genuinely good person. And that's my current doc, um, who was my former boss, best, 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 um, military officer I have ever worked for. Um, genuinely, genuinely good human being, just an amazing guy, family man, um, church uh you know they go to he goes to church he 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 went to west point um he's got boys in west point he's got four boys very involved in their in their school and sports and i don't know how he does everything he does like amazing physician like oh my gosh and i had other people who were in the the warrior transition unit who would come to me and say, Oh my gosh, he's so amazing. Um, just because he just, he's just a genuinely good person and truly cares about each and every person he encounters, um, his patients, his friends, his colleagues. Uh, it's just, and it's, it's hard to come by people like that in the world. today. In any profession. Yeah. It's just, I mean, just in general, there's so much hate and um, anger and entitlement in the world today that it's like, uh, it's sad uh, what what the world's coming to. But, but I think you, you really notice that when you're at like a disadvantaged point of view, where if you have a disability or something, some someone who's just been downtrodden and has gone through a lot. Because, I mean, everyone knows that the world is screwed up and there's things going on, but most people can just kind of go through life and go, ah, whatever, who cares? Ah, another person, you know, another 10 people dead on this holiday and so on and so on. But it, it's the ones that have just been through so much that it affects the most, even if we don't have any connection to it. And you just, you see, you know, for me and my other profession, I go out and I'm always around other people and it's just, it hasn't been as much lately, but it's just a constant, oh, you wear a mask. Oh, you don't wear a mask or, oh, this. And it's, it's always a battle over something. And it's just, no one wants to be nice to each other. And it's, you know, I'm carrying heavy things in and I have a vision problem and people just shut the door right in your face. And yet I'm the one that's holding the door for the elderly or, or children or whatever while I have heavy stuff. And, and. I'm not, I'm not looking for an award. It's just, it, it, it becomes discouraging and, and you get caught up in it. You really start to turn into those people. And, and, uh, and I'm sure, you know, we all bump into somebody who actually is a good person. They're just having a bad day too. Uh, but it seems like everybody's having a bad day now. It seems like everybody's angry. Everyone's full of hatred. I know that's not the case. There's a lot of good people out here, but it's hard to find I them. Think that, I think that a lot of it really truly is entitlement though. Um, especially the younger, uh, generations. Um, I really, truly, honestly feel that every single person when they graduate high school should have to take a year and there should be a federal program 
where they, every single person, you either join a branch of the military, the Peace Corps, there's some type of organization that's made that is to help homeless and inner city type situations. I think everyone should have to join and do a year of service, some type of service, whether that be in inner city, you know, helping kids or the Peace Corps or the military or just some type of, of service. You're given a stipend to live on and it's a service and you have to do a year of it to live in someone else's and see what other people, because I don't think 90% of the people who live in this country have any idea how lucky we all are. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't completely disagree with what you said about the younger generation, but I also would say that a lot of the older generations kind of failed them as well because like, I, I know, like, you know, I love my grandma. She's nine years old, 90 years old, and she doesn't have the greatest manners. She's just like, look, I'm 90. I'm stuck in my ways. I'm going to do what I want. And if I cut somebody off or I run somebody over my cart, shopping cart, I don't care. And I try to teach her manners as the 33 year old and like, grandma, you shouldn't. But as I'm making, as I'm trying to teach her that I look around the grocery store and everyone else is being an asshole and cutting her off and doing this and that. And so it's hard to really, uh, instill those values, even though she's stuck in her ways regardless. And I love her no matter what, but you know, her generation failed her as her generation failed the next and the next and mine. And then my generation failed that generation. So it's, I mean, we all, we all play a part in it. And yeah, the younger generation is very entitled and we got all this woke shit and all this stuff that people just are offended at everything and all that. It's it's all backwards, but you know, unfortunately it didn't start with that generation. It started with generations, no. many generations before. And all we're doing is trying to clean up for the last generation and the generation before that. So I think we're, I can't even say we're headed in a better direction because we are headed in a better direction because there's no slavery and gay people can get married and, you know, we're even getting to a point where marijuana is pretty much legal and there's a lot of things that are just obvious that should have happened a long time ago, but there's so much other shit that's kind of convoluting and and just blocking from getting to the next big stage. I just think that, I just, it bothers me how much we all take for granted. Because, and I guess it's because um, I've seen how other countries live. And so many people, you know, they want to complain about how oppressed they are here. And if they had any idea what it was like to live in other countries, they they have no idea how, how good they have it. And people who are poor here are rich compared to other countries. Um, I, now, granted, there are so many things that are broken, yeah. and I get that. And a lot of that needs fixed as well. Um, but after, after serving in the military, and I went to Thailand for 16 days, and seeing how excited those kids were to get a toothbrush from me. We gave all the kids toothbrushes and candy, which I know is totally backwards, but (laughs) (laughs) 
and we dewormed all of them. Yes, they all got to drink a little bottle of dewormer. Mm. Yeah. Um, but they were over standing at the sink that was outside the bathrooms, you know, like the, the little, it was like a trough sink with running water, brushing their teeth. They were so excited to get toothbrush. Yeah. It's like these kids are excited to get a toothbrush. They were so happy. And it's like, wow, could you imagine if I handed a toothbrush to an American kid? They'd be like, all right, cool. Here, mom. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I look, I have my moments where I, I try not to be a complete diva where it's just like I went to somewhere the other day and they didn't have ice and I had a warm drink and I was annoyed as hell. Cause it's like, really, how don't you have ice? But you, you know, <laughs> it, it, like I go through it. I'm not sitting here saying I'm perfect cause I'm damn sure not. But yeah, you're right. Like it's, it's at some point I, I'm at least in a place where I, I'm, smart enough to where I can check myself and go, all right, TJ, like, shut up. Like right. worst case scenario, you just go home and get a drink or whatever, go somewhere else or whatever. But yes, there was something that kind of got in the way of your, your good time here, but you wanted a nice ice cold drink. You didn't get it, but you, it doesn't mean you can't get one. It's just, you can't get one here. And you just right. got to talk yourself right. out of this stupid shit because you get into a place where you just, you just, every, if everything, and again, I'm also at a person who's gone through a lot and I just want anything to go my way. So when even like little basic things like that don't go my way, it's one of those where you just throw your hands up and you just go, really? Not even this, huh? And it's still kind of entitlement, but it's also, like I said, it is from a place where I'm just, I just want something to go my way. Cause sometimes you have enough, you know, I'm sure, you know, you've had enough bad days where you just, sometimes you want the, the smallest thing to just go right. It doesn't have to be well, much. Sometimes it's just the day too. It's like, yeah, yeah. seriously, Seriously, could one more thing, seriously? And then it just becomes laughable where you are literally just laughing because it couldn't get any worse. And then it does. <laughs> right. Um, so kind of, yeah, sorry. So kind of wrapping up here, I wanted to, I wanted, I wanted you to promote your book, but also kind of where you kind of want to go from here, you know, where, yeah. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> that's, my new, that's my new saying um, a lot of people are asking me um, especially now that I'm officially retired I'm almost two months now um, retired from the military and um, at this point I'm uh, actually getting ready to uh, record um, an audiobook for my book Hot Mess to Wellness that's the book that I wrote Good. It's called Hot Mess to Wellness, Seven Steps to Better Health When You Have Tried It All and Had Enough. Um, it is available on Amazon, and obviously I'll get you the link. Um, but I am also recording an audiobook. Hopefully it will be out um, somewhere around the new year. Um, and I'm also working on my first children's book um, in a chapter book series that I am planning on having about uh, military kids um, and the first book. So the, the series is the cul-de-sac kids and um, the first book is called Chloe, the military or Chloe, the army brat. Um, and it's all about a little girl and her mom 
Um, her mom's in the army and it basically each book will focus on a different issue that military kids face. Um, that's cool. And whether it be a military kid reading it and say, Oh my gosh, I totally get this. Or another kid reading it and saying, wow, really? That's really, that's their life. Um, because a, a lot of people have no clue the sacrifice that the kids make. Um, everybody talks about the sacrifice that we make, you know, deploying, um, the ultimate sacrifice, obviously the, you know, when we lose people, um, but they have no idea what these kids sacrifice and how resilient, um, they become, uh, so, I'm hoping that this sheds some light on that, but also kind of allows those kiddos to read it and say, huh, okay, cool. You know, somebody else, she writes in her journal a lot in the book, so they, I'm sure, have some of those feelings as well. Yeah. I'm hoping. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Um, So I don't know. That's where I am right now. Um, I would love to get back into pediatrics. Um, I'm keeping my license and keeping all my certifications up. Um, So hopefully I can maybe find a virtual job or um, not sure where my husband may end up in the next six years. He's still active duty and has five to six years um, before he can retire. And so, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine, though. I mean, it doesn't mean you have to know. I just was curious because, you know, you yeah. have been through so much already. Farmer. I have my chickens. And chickens, <laughs> okay. <laughs> They're my therapy. Hey, animals can be very therapeutic. It's Oh, my gosh. Have you ever sat and watched chickens? They're hilarious. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, not very often, but yes, I have. <laughs> I love my chickens, my chickens and my crochet. Yeah, my uh, my stepson calls me grandma status. I was gonna say that's yeah, that's a very old woman thing to do for someone your age, but it's okay. He said you've reached grandma status. I said uh, no, I don't have any grandkids. He's like, well, you don't have grandkids, but you've reached grandma status. Yeah, crocheting, yeah, it's all right. But I mean, yeah, I know my grandma does that, and and not to make it feel worse because she's ninety, but she. She does, and I know she really enjoys it, and I know people a little younger than her in her 70s and 60s and stuff, and they, they do it, and it's just it just kind of comes natural. And Half the time, she's not even staring at the needle. She's just doing her thing and watching TV. And um, Yeah, I mean, again, whatever makes you happy, whatever you enjoy at the end of the day, who gives a shit? Like, just do it. I really, yeah, I, I really didn't have hobbies. I, 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 I was a workaholic. And so when they told me I needed a hobby to help develop my brain and help with my healing, I had to find something um, that was artistic and crafty. And uh, it took me three tries and I finally got it. And then once I finally got it, it was like, all right all right, I can do this. And uh, so, yeah, I do some vendor events. Um, my husband's 84-year-old Mima, actually, she's 85 now. Um, she taught me how to crochet the tops on towels, the little hang towels for the kitchen. 
And um, so, yeah. Yep, I'm a crocheter and a chicken farmer. No, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, my, my grandma, what she, she started doing was she started nifty, uh, knitting afghans. And there's a there's a, uh, a a floor here at one of our hospitals. Uh, what do they call it? A hospice where all the, the people come to die for, I don't know, they have a couple weeks to live. And, yeah. and then she makes them Afghans and then they put them on the person's bed and then the, the, the family gets to take it home and they put their name on it and stuff. So, uh, it's, oh, actually, so yeah, it's actually a good cause. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad she does that because it, it gives the family something to hold on to. Yeah. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm just throwing it out there for any other ideas, but yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll figure other things out, but um, I really appreciate you for coming on and I hope we can keep in touch and, you know, if you need anyone to, I, I say this to a lot of people when I come on, but I mean it, like if you need someone to talk to, please, you can reach out anytime outside awesome. of any recording. Yeah. Uh, obviously I'll keep you updated on this, but, um, but please, if you need anything and, you know, any support and anything, just please reach out. And like I said, if you just need someone to talk to about depression or something, anything, I don't give a shit or just your chickens, I'm, I'm here. Good, because my husband's sick of hearing about them. <laughs> All right, that's fine. I love animals, so I don't care. Yeah. Well, no, this was great. This was great. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really happy that you that you had me. Yeah, me too. Like you said yeah. you're, you're a great person, and I'm I'm happy you're still here after all you've overcome, and you seem like you still have a really good head on your shoulders and you still are going places. So it's, it's good. Just keep doing what you're doing and you know, I'm sure you'll find something. Absolutely. Well, you hang in there too. I appreciate it. Yeah. I mean, I try, like I said, every day is a challenge, but I'm still here. So, uh, one day at a time. Yeah. I'm winning the ultimate war. I'm still alive. So that's uh, right. So, but yeah, please, uh, like I said, anytime and, uh, thank you again. Well, thank you. And, uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. All right, thanks. Yep. Bye. 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 All right, guys. Again, I'm sorry. I was, I was trying to get out of there just because, not because I didn't enjoy the conversation. I'm just, I'm really, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. I'm sleepies. Um, bullet was here snuggled up in a ball, but yeah, my eyes are bothering me. It's just, I'm kind of miserable. <laughs> I'm just a little miserable right now, but I'll be okay. I promise. Um, I hope everyone else is doing okay themselves. Um, um, uh, yeah, like I said, cold world out here. I know some people going some re- going through some really rough times. So, um, and as we were just discussing, you know, try not to be so much of a diva and, and be entitled for things. I know it, it's hard not to, especially with the way this damn pandemic is, where it's like, oh, really? Like you, you don't have this on hand, or you can't get this and that, and you know, you know, we've had the, the really selfish people go out and, you know, like when toilet paper was really much, was a real issue to, you know, it was very limited on their inventory and people go and buy like, you know, 12 uh, bundles of toilet paper. And it's like, really, do you need that when you know someone else could use it? Um, so I don't know, man, just I know it sounds corny, but try to give a shit. Try to remember that there's other people that are struggling and they're going through life, too. Um, so yeah, I'm sorry, food for thought, but I'm, I'm just, I'm really sleepy and I just, I just, I just, I'm just tired of going outside and it's just this horrible, dark, sad energy, uh, in humans these days. I just, 
trying to find ways to lift my own spirit up and try to find ways to be healthy. And even when I'm in good moods, it's like everyone around is just like, it's like, Oh, come on guys. Come on. Try. Um, but yeah, take care of yourselves. I will see you next week. Thank every, thank you everybody for, uh, for your support. And, um, good boy y'all. Oh, that was the wrong one. I did drums and that's not what I wanted. Do. That's what I wanted to do. See you, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>